And now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Right now, there's a whole lot going on in this world, and it's easy to find yourself focusing on all the problems around us rather than focusing on solutions for the things we actually have the power to fix. As a scientist, I need to focus on getting that next grant, building that next software model, recording that next podcast, and eventually writing that next paper. I know what I need to do, but I have to admit, I keep getting bogged down worrying about things beyond my control. Me worrying about congressional science funding and the problems in the rocket engine supply chain? I have no power over these things. And sometimes, I just need someone to tell me to stop doom-scrolling and focus on solving the things I can solve as I work toward accomplishing my goals. Talking with friends and family is great. But at times, all of us just need someone to give us that outside perspective we need. This is where therapy can help. When I found I needed help early in the pandemic, I heard an ad like this one on another podcast, and I reached out to find someone who could help me find focus and find techniques to deal with stress and my doom-scrolling tendencies. It was what I needed. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, do like I did, and give BetterHelp a try. They'll have you fill out a brief survey and then match you with a therapist. And if you need to, you can switch therapists at any time. BetterHelp is entirely online, convenient, accessible, and affordable. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com astronomy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com astronomy. Astronomy Cast, episode 651. Artemis and the Decline of Single-Use Rockets. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. I'm Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of Universe Today. I've been a space and astronomy journalist for over 20 years. With me, as always, is Dr. Pamela Gay, a senior scientist for the Planetary Science Institute and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela. Welcome back. We are here. We are here. And I'm here to say that uh, 20 years ago this month, I turned in my PhD's first full complete draft. My PhD turns 20 in December. <laughs> right. Your PhD is well, it's old enough to drink in, in Canada, and it would want it's to. It's true. Yeah, just not in the U.S. yet. Uh, yeah, so Correct. we're back. We finished our summer hiatus. Uh, I hope you had a great and... You know, I always want to say like, oh, we had a relaxing summer, but but neither of us actually relaxed during our summer hiatus. We just don't do live streams. We do all the other stuff that we had to catch up on. And and we both had massive construction going on in different formats. Yeah. Yours, I think, was more massive and mine was simply more inconvenient. So my, my studio no longer has the ceiling it used to have. It also doesn't have a new ceiling yet. So that's still <laughs> right. being worked on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. So we finished our, our shop and studio. And so now I'm actually recording the new episodes in the new studio. It's still a little hollow sounding. I need to get a little more sound baffling in here. But it is so great. The internet is still a little slow, but we're going to be upgrading to a faster internet in probably about a month from now. But apart from that, it is just, it's so convenient to 
to be able to just sit down in front of the computer, turn on a couple of switches and live stream as opposed to being hunched over a computer in the back of a trailer, et cetera, et cetera. So it feels great. Yes. Thank you to everyone at uh, Standing Bear Construction for helping us build this shop and studio and, and get to a new level of productivity. It's kind of surreal because I'm just able to just like use my stuff now. As opposed to yes. like be waiting for things to be finished or staring at a sea container that contains all of my worldly possessions or carrying water in jugs or yes. just, it's just like there's so much friction and now suddenly all that friction is gone. I'm like, yeah, well that obviously, because that was the point, but yes. still it's, yeah, it feels good. But you have made changes to your studio as well. So I, I have heating and cooling. I have not had heating and cooling down here before. And, oh. and the fact that I could come downstairs and it was the same blissfully controlled temperatures, the first floor of our house was, yeah. was truly glorious. All right. Uh, let's get into season 16. On the day that we're recording this, NASA's space launch system is about to blast off, but everyone is expecting it'll be delayed to October. Now, when it does launch, it'll be the most powerful rocket on Earth, well, until Starship blasts off. So are we about to see the end of single-use rockets and enter the era of reusable rocketry? Well, are we? No. And that is something that really surprised me. In in researching this show, the the first question I had is, why isn't SLS reusing any of its parts? When, one of the things that's deeply confusing to me is, is the SLS series of rockets is based on using leftover bits of the space shuttle program. And with the space shuttle program, we had this, this glorious uh, central external tank in its beautiful shade of orange. We had the two solid rocket boosters. We had the engines on the back of the shuttle. And while that external tank got burned up in the atmosphere every single launch, those solid rocket boosters were pulled out of the ocean and reused. And those engines on the back of the space shuttle, they had a whole bunch of them and they reused them, recycling them from mission to mission. Well, with the space launch system, they took those engines. They literally have 16 RS-25 series engines that have previously flown on the space shuttle. And they're mounting them on that core stage, which they're burning up in the ocean. Yeah. And those solid rocket booster segments, some of which have had parts that have been used 59 different launches... They're dropping them into the ocean just like they did mm-hmm. in the space shuttle, but they're not pulling them back out. Yes. So. <laughs> so yeah. so we're, it's almost like we're moving away from the concept of reusable rocketry and towards more disposable rocketry. And I mean, I think the, the biggest issue is with the space shuttle. The space shuttle was actually a more powerful rocket. It was capable of launching a heavier payload to space than the space launch system. But it had to carry the orbiter, and the orbiter was reusable. And so Mm -hmm. the most of the weight, the carrying weight, went into launching the orbiter, and then the actual amount of payload that the space shuttle could launch was 
greatly reduced. And so with the Space Launch System, you've got to return to very heavy payloads, very little reuse. Right. And in looking into this, I, I did a survey of, so who is still going to be using disposable rockets and why? And why with SLS, where they only get four launches with reusable parts? At the end of those four launches, they're back to having to turn on assembly lines yes. and start building stuff again. And the reason that disposable rockets are disposable is it makes more sense for low-cadence rockets to not have to have and maintain the infrastructure to go grab things out of the ocean, to catch them on parachutes. Basically, if you're not launching over and over and over, like SpaceX sometimes has two or three launches in 48 hours, if you're instead looking at having that many launches in a year, you don't want to pay for all that reusability. Yeah, the, um, you know, during the, they learned a lot with the shuttle program. And mm-hmm. going into the shuttle program, the idea was, let's make everything fully reusable. Let's shift from this disposable rocket reality into the reusable rocket future. Let's reuse the orbiter. Let's reuse the main fuel stage. Let's reuse the booster rockets. Let's reuse every part of this. And the original idea for the space shuttle was that it was this, this little, it looked like the space shuttle and it was attached to a bigger space shuttle. Imagine you put wings on the, on the main fuel tank and then it would blast off. And then the main fuel tank would fly back and land at the, at the landing pad. And then the shuttle would go to orbit and it would come back and everything would be reused and it would be beautiful and wonderful. And then they added more requirements and in the end it all didn't work, but they tried to reuse the orbiter or they reused the orbital, the engines, the solid rocket boosters. But the reality was the reuse was incredibly expensive possibly yes. more expensive than making it single use, especially for say the solid rocket boosters, which ended up killing one whole crew of the space shuttle. Yeah. And they didn't have the cadence either. So they had high cost to reuse and they had lower cadence. So they're paying for infrastructure that isn't in constant use. And it was a double whammy that, in trying to figure out what to do next, first the Ares series that was part of the Constellation mission was looking at reusability of shuttle parts. And when that mission went away and they brought in SLS, they were like, we're, we're not going to try that reusability except for the capsule. Yeah. Now, I don't, I'm going to log roll here for a second. And that okay. is because I had a chance to interview United Launch Alliance's CEO, Tori Bruno, this summer. So I did no interviews this summer, except I came out of hiatus to interview Tori Bruno, which was fantastic. Worth it. And I learned... Totally worth it. Yeah. And I learned a ton about about the industry and, and his thinking about it. And and we're going to talk about this in a second, but but ULA has no response to the Falcon series of rockets, the reusable rockets from SpaceX, the the kind of idea that that Blue Origin is working with the New Glenn, the Chinese are working on reusable rocketry, and mm-hmm. and in this current phase, ULA doesn't. And and their perspective is that actually the the expensive part of a rocket is the engines. 
if you can reuse those, you've reused most of the cost of the rocket and you've maintained the maximum amount of lift capability. So the rush to reusability is, in his perspective, in ULA's perspective, not as urgent as other people think that it is. And they are looking at, with the next generation RS-25 engines that they're working on developing, they're looking at getting the cost down by combining new technologies like 3D printing and by not worrying about, well, is it going to be able to survive absolutely undamaged from the launch we're about to put it through? Because. Mm -hmm they're not going to reuse it. If you're not looking to reuse, you can cut corners that you can't cut if you want to reuse. So they're thinking there's going to be about a 30% cost savings in uh, just creating new ones with their new design over the cost of making them originally for the space shuttle. And and this idea of we're just going to let things not get reused it's 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 something that we've seen over and over throughout time i we're really used to this with like there's the atlas 5 series and again it doesn't have a high cadence last year it had nine launches with its peak it usually launches four to five times um so so we see already with this series, which admittedly is running into problems because it has parts from the Ukraine and Russia. Right, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> supply chain issues. Supply chain issues. A whole new version of supply chain issues. Um, yeah, yeah. It has, it has a geopolitically fraught engine and tank yeah. system. Yeah, but... But with that cadence, they've, they've been able to have a completely disposable, uh, lower-cost rocket for years. We're seeing something very similar with the Delta IV Heavy. It only has three launches left, which is sad. But mm-hmm. the Ariane 5 is, is still there. We currently have an image of the one that carried the JWST up into orbit mm-hmm. on screen. But it's getting sunsetted as well to the Ariane, and yeah. moving to the Ariane 6. Right. So there, there is sunsetting going on, but in the new things that they're building, they're not going the fully reusable route for these heavy lift and mid lift rockets. It's, it's the Falcons that are pioneering it. It's the new Shepard, new Glenn. And well, my favorite is the folks over at Rocket Lab with their, their Electron and Proton. And there they're looking at wild, uh, let's catch things on on helicopters. But that's what we're going to talk about in the next episode. So come back for that in the next episode. Right, right. Now, now the SpaceX enthusiasts in the audience Mm -hmm. at this point are probably screaming just wherever they are in frustration. You get a whole episode next week, folks. Next episode is all reusable. It's okay. Is all reusable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, we are absolutely going to be addressing the elephant in the room, which is Falcon 9, the reusability of Falcon 9, and, of course, the upcoming Starship. Yeah. But... But they, we're in such a funny time. And I think, I think it's yeah. important that we're in this weird limbo in between the old world mm-hmm. and the new world. Yeah. And the old world was, let's launch these single-use rockets and let's try to reuse chunks of them. And the new world of, let's just launch the same Falcon 9 many, many times. And then let's launch 
Super Heavy, which uh, the the Starship and the Super Heavy, which is a fully reusable two stage rocket, and so we'll we'll address that next episode, as well as the ideas from Rocket Lab and so on. And I think there's a obviously there's a case we made, you know, in the classic words of Elon Musk, why do you you don't fly your aircraft to Paris and then you throw the whole thing Destroy in the garbage it. and then yeah. and then buy a new one to go somewhere else, but a rocket is not an airplane. It is going far faster. It is experiencing a lot more stress on all of the metal, on all of the parts. It is, one does not simply reuse a rocket. And there's the added difficulty with, for instance, the SRBs, and this is also true for the Falcon 9 first stage, that uh, they're headed towards the ocean on their way back to ground. And the SRBs had parachutes on them, and they were literally scooping them out of the ocean after they had been exposed to salt water. And salt water is one of those amazingly corrosive substances. The Falcon 9s get their reusability by landing on a barge. And that is technology that when a lot of these rockets were developed, the processors just weren't fast enough to handle. And the SLS actually has the equivalent of a G3 processor from the 90s in it. So that is not fast enough to do the kind of maneuvering necessary to land on a barge. So they'd be trying to recycle something dumped into the ocean, partially corroded, and that's a lot of work. Not worth doing. No. Like, and... If you're going to try to save some fuel in your booster rocket, then you don't get the full amount of your launch capability. You've got a partial ability to launch, and then you've got to save some of your fuel for you to be able to to land the rocket. And I I think you know one of the one of the feelings that I have is that we're in this weird in between stage between needing to launch rockets and space-based construction, in-situ resource utilization, space construction. And our need to launch rockets off of the Earth is going to decline into the future. And we may get to a point where we just no longer need to launch rockets except for carrying human beings to space if we want to. But everything else is being manufactured in space. And so you've got this huge capability, reuse capability, and yet nobody's actually needing to go to space because everything is already out there being shifted around where it's energy inexpensive. But but isn't it weird? Like like I mean I guess, you know, we talked about this new Glenn, we talked about SpaceX, we talk about their level of reused electron. Again, we're talking about this next week. But it's yeah. still I think from our perception, for a lot of people's perception, SLS is old tech, old methods, huge expense. Yes. Um, yes. And l- less reuse. How do you respond to that, Pamela? I, I think the way I respond is is I point out that SLS also lacks the, the flexibility that we see in a lot of other rockets. Uh, we we often see with the Chinese Long March series, and it is truly an entire series of different rockets. With with the Long March series, they reconfigure those in all sorts of different ways, changing how many side rockets they call them strap-on rockets that they have on board. Uh, 
all the different combinations, this kind of flexibility by having different components that are kind of plug and play allows them to have a lower cost, highly versatile system compared to having this design is only used for this thing. This design is only used for this thing. So I think there are other techniques that you can use to change your costing. Uh, we see similar diversity with, with the Japanese rockets to a certain degree. Many nations are trying to figure out how to have the side boosters the core booster, and a variety of configurations to take them to varying degrees of uh, medium lift and heavy lift. And I really am loving these plug-and-play kinds of designs that we're seeing that allow this diversity. So I think there's multiple techniques. And with heavy lift, like you said, you want to use every ounce of fuel you can to get off this planet. Right, right, and so if if the if the payload, if it's a ten billion dollar space telescope, for example, and the thing that matters is that you get this payload to precisely the right orbit, then spending a billion dollars or half a billion dollars on your launcher is worth it. Yes, but if you're trying to launch. 40,000 internet satellites um, <laughs> then then the economics change yes yeah. yes and, and again it also depends on what orbit you're getting to because they aren't putting those 40,000 satellites up in geo they're, they're putting them in low earth orbit and and it takes a whole lot less fuel to get there. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of missions that have been proposed right now that there is just no launcher capable of doing it. Yeah. Even the space launch system with its block one configuration couldn't do some of these missions. Things to the outer planets, uh, heavier cargo to the moon, things like that. Like you're going to need to get to the block two, the block two B, the, which is the heavier upper stage where you can even pull off some of these bigger missions like the yes. sls is amazing but still not, it's still not as powerful as as the saturn V. and we won't have those additional heavy lift capacities until they turn on the the factory lines to build the new rs-25 engines to build the new uh casings and electronics for the srbs yeah they're still in the reuse stage so this is where next week we are going to be taking a look at Starship. And this week we have to say there are other heavy lift vehicles in the process of being developed. Uh, Ariane Space is looking at what they can construct. China is looking at what they construct. Russia, we're going to set them aside right. and say we don't know what's going on over yeah. there. Um, Russia says a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. We don't take very seriously. Um, yes. But but China has a lot of very powerful launchers right now, and even more powerful ones in the works for their missions to the moon. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like like I just I got to come clean here, right? Like I feel an enormous amount of. Can you have an enormous amount of ambivalence? I feel extreme <laughs> ambivalence. 
in this situation because on the one hand um this next generation of reusable rockets don't exist and we don't have, have the capability to go to interesting locations and haven't had it for decades maybe 50 years that finally the sls is the first rocket that will give us that capability falcon heavy is kind of there but sls is the machine that would let you send out an interstellar probe or or go to send a heavy orbiter to neptune or visit multiple moons of jupiter etc 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 and we just don't have that and yet it does seem bonkers to me to throw away your, your rocket every time. So, And more than that, they, they limited their potential with SLS by saying they had to reuse shuttle parts. They only get four launches from the, that reuse, and the factory lines had been shut down. They've been off since 2017, I think. Yeah. And, and so... Those people are doing different things. It was meant to keep those folks employed. So we have a rocket that has late 90s electronics and doesn't have the versatility because of the constraints put on it, largely for political reasons. SLS, Ares, either of those two series that were planned could have been amazing if they gave the engineers the chance to say, we're using modern processors, we're using modern fabrication, let's see what we can create using mm -hmm. today's technology. Yeah. And that, I think, is the real place where, where everyone else is going to be able to fly ahead of us. Yeah, and everybody, like everyone poo-poos the SLS, but if you said Sea Dragon... Right now they're excited again, which is of course this gigantic expendable rocket that took off from the ocean and lifted ludicrous amounts of weight into space. And it was featured in for all mankind. Uh, suddenly now you've got their attention again. So anyway, all right, let's, let's wrap up this week and hang on that ambivalence. We'll set it aside. Yeah. And next week we will come roaring back with, uh, a, a further investigation into reusable rocketry and the case for not throwing away your stuff every time yeah. you use it. Thanks, Bumble. <sighs> thank you, Fraser. So once again, I, I'd like to say not just thank you to you, Fraser, but thank you to all of our patrons out there. You are the ones that allow us to do this week after week. And this week, I'm going to thank by name uh, Kyle St. George, Arkham Fantasy, Daniel Donaldson, Laura Smith, uh, Jeremy Gurr, uh, Jorn Aslaxen. I'm sorry. I really like you. Your name is a deep mystery. Uh, John Lawson, James Roger, Steve Martini, Richard Alexander Hubbard, uh, Bjor Andre Lisval. Folks, you can put pronunciation guides all in the, Patreon all the, all where the your name is. names showed up over the summer. Yeah. 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 The Theodore. We truly have uh, an international Le audience. Yes. Theodore Le Barbera, James Siddle, uh, Bill Cameron, uh, Robert Wegner. You're giggling. I understand why you're giggling. Glenn Border, the, oh no, 
the Breviloquent Caveman. Folks, I'm going to make a plea, and I'm going to come back and try your names even more in the next episode. <laughs> awesome. Please, All right. All right, put, we'll... put pronunciation guides, please. Please. I heart all, right. all of you. All right. We'll see you next week, Pamela. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Astronomy Cast is a joint product of Universe Today and the Planetary Science Institute. Astronomy Cast is released under a Creative Commons attribution license. So love it, share it, and remix it. But please credit it to our hosts, Fraser Kane and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can get more information on today's show topic on our website, astronomycast.com. This episode was brought to you thanks to our generous patrons on Patreon. If you want to help keep this show going, please consider joining our community at patreon.com astronomycast. Not only do you help us pay our producers a fair wage, you will also get special access to content right in your inbox and invites to online events. We are so grateful to all of you who have joined our Patreon community already. Anyways, keep looking up. This has been Astronomy Cast. And now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Right now, there's a whole lot going on in this world, and it's easy to find yourself focusing on all the problems around us rather than focusing on solutions for the things we actually have the power to fix. As a scientist, I need to focus on getting that next grant, building that next software model, recording that next podcast, and eventually writing that next paper. I know what I need to do, but I have to admit, I keep getting bogged down worrying about things beyond my control. Me worrying about congressional science funding and the problems in the rocket engine supply chain I have no power over these things, and sometimes I just need someone to tell me to stop doom scrolling and focus on solving the things I can solve as I work toward accomplishing my goals. Talking with friends and family is great, but at times, all of us just need someone to give us that outside perspective we need. This is where therapy can help. When I found I needed help early in the pandemic, I heard an ad like this one on another podcast, and I reached out to find someone who could help me find focus and find techniques to deal with stress and my doom-scrolling tendencies. It was what I needed. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, do like I did, and give better help a try. They'll have you fill out a brief survey and then match you with a therapist. And if you need to, you can switch therapists at any time. BetterHelp is entirely online, convenient, accessible, and affordable. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com astronomy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com astronomy. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.